Welcome to Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries, helping you attain, maintain, and regain momentum for life. Let's join the conversation with author and pastor Scott Wade, president of Momentum Ministries. Good morning. This is Pastor Scott, and I'm happy to be with you on Casual Conversations today. Thanks for joining us. And it's my privilege to uh, to bring to you today the conclusion of my interview with Chuck Parrish, the executive director of Mission El Paso. He's also the pastor of Imagine Church of the Nazarene. Last week, Chuck shared with us um, the history of, of how he and his wife Renee moved to El Paso and how God called them there. He also shared with us uh, how Mission El Paso has partnered with uh, what he called a big box store to uh, provide a unique ministry of uh, giving free things away. Everybody likes free stuff, but um, partnering with this uh, big box store, they're able to uh, to supply some uh, basic needs of people in El Paso. And so today we're going to uh, continue our conversation with Chuck and he's going to share with us um, the situation on the border, some of his insights from the border, and how Mission El Paso and Imagine Church of the Nazarene, though they're not big, they are accomplishing big results. So let's get back to that interview with Chuck Parrish of Mission El Paso. Well, Chuck, you have a, a front row seat on the U.S.-Mexican border, less than a mile from the wall, you said. Uh, give us uh, some thoughts that you have. What what would you like to share with our listeners? The border is very misunderstood. Um, depending on which side of the political aisle that you're on, uh, your um, intake of news uh, is different. And you're going to hear um, what each side wants you to hear. And I will tell you that both sides really don't want to fix the border. Um, there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of politics involved. And there's a lot of talk that takes place regarding the issue of people crossing the border. Um, if you're outside of El Paso, you're, you probably have a little bit of a um, warped um, or misinformed. Um, it's possible that you have a misinformed opinion of what happens at the border. Um, we live here and we see this happen. Uh, and so we're, we're less than a mile from the border wall um, and the entry points. Um, the people that are coming across the border, Scott, that I think the thing that I want to say most and first is Christians, we need to understand how blessed we are in our country. There is a reason that people want to come here. I hear so many people complaining about everything in our country. Uh, you're pro this, you're pro that, you're anti this, anti that. Oh, look what the government did now. Oh, you know, woe is us. Um, and we are the most blessed people in the world. I've traveled around the world, uh, been in many different countries on different continents. And I know for a fact that we are a blessed people. Um, and every day when we wake up, we should be thanking God that it just so happened that we were born here uh, and able to be in the United States. That's the reason people want to come here. The reason people are trying to cross the border, they have heard that there are jobs here, that they can get good medical care here, um, and that they've heard about our freedoms. And so they want to come into the United States. 
The United States has policies that change sometimes weekly. Um, and so by the time people come to, to the actual border on the Mexico side, um, what they have heard might have changed two or three times about what's required to cross. You should know that most of the people that come and reach our border have traveled for a thousand miles or 1800 miles um, from Venezuela and, and, you know, different countries, Bolivia, to get here. They have done that um, on donkeys. They've done that walking. They have paid the cartels money to, to get them to the border. Um, so some of them have journeyed um, carrying everything that they own on their backs. And they arrive at the border and at the border on the uh, Mexico side, at times there are up to 10,000 people, sometimes more, that are waiting in, in encampments on that side of the border with no facilities, no food, um, no work. Uh, they're just a place for them to sit down um, and they wait. And they're waiting some to cross legally and others are waiting to be able to cross on an illegal basis um, because they cannot get into the country legally. Now, I don't get into the politics of it other than just to say that both sides are guilty. So uh, sorry for on both sides. But the truth of the matter is that these are people who need food, they need clothing, and they need help. And the last time I checked my Bible, Jesus commanded me and all of us to help them and provide what they need. And so that's what we do. Uh, we don't ask people whether they are legal or not. The process for legally crossing the border, the Rio Grande River is a mud puddle at times. And at other times, um, it can be waist deep, um, depending on the, you know, the season and how much rain we've had. And they have to cross that um, water to get here. When you hear about people that are dying crossing the border, the water in some places is actually very swift even though it's shallow. And most of these people do not know how to swim. And it's a lot of times children and the infirm who get swept away down the river and drown. And, and that happens a lot. You don't hear about it, but it happens a lot. Um, once they cross the river, people think that, okay, then they have to cross this border wall. And that's not true. As soon as they step out of the water of the Rio Grande, they are on U.S. soil even though they're on the opposite side of the border wall, the minute they step foot out and step on U.S. property, they are now a felon. They have crossed into our country illegally at that point. Then from the edge of the Rio Grande to the border, the, the walk is a football field uh, between the edge of the river and the border wall. And so now people gather, you have the, you have, you know, thousands on the Mexico side of the river, but now between the river and the border wall, you can have uh, sometimes uh, five, six, 7,000 people that are standing there on the U.S. Um, soil, but not inside the border wall yet. As I say, they are already considered a felon having illegally entered our country. Um, the border patrol uh, opens the border wall and there are gates and they open those gates and they process people. Um, that process that they go through has changed um, 20 times in the four years that I've been here. People wait in a long line 
they get there and if they're allowed into the United States, if they have papers, they have their passport from uh, Mexico or another country, depending on the particular day, sometimes like for Venezuelans, for instance, um, there was a point where they just said no, no more Venezuelans. The quota has been reached. And yet a lot of Venezuelans were in the line waiting to come in, which is why people then try to come across illegally. But when they get to the gate, if their paperwork is in order, then the border patrol um, gives them a piece of paper. That, that piece of paper is a document that the, the current administration came up with that allows this person to be in the United States legally pending going to a hearing okay, before a judge. It also allows them to work so that piece of paper can be shown to a business anywhere in the United States. And that person now has the ability to work, even though they don't have a social security card or anything, but they, they have the legal ability to be in the United States. The court appearance, this is where the problems come in. The court appearance for them is sometimes two, sometimes three or four years out from the day they enter. 90% or so of the people who cross and come in legally never go to their court date. Um, they just, they're now working and living somewhere in the United States and they never even, you know, pursue it any further. Once their court date is passed, then again, they become a felon. I think the last I heard, we'd had 4 million people in the last two years that have crossed the border. That's the legal side. On the illegal side, there are places where people cross the wall. Um, they dig under the wall. Um, some come in in the, in the back of uh, trucks that the cartel, um, they've paid thousands of dollars to get smuggled across the border through the border inspection area. Um, you hear about the car chases, maybe. Um, the highway patrol here has chase these vehicles down and they've had shootouts with cartel members on the U.S. side on our freeways. It's just a nightmare. Um, but once again, these people are all, they're human beings. They're people, they're God's children that he wants to reach. And he commands us because they are sick. They are imprisoned in some ways. They are hungry. And it is our job to do what we can. So at Mission El Paso, we provide food to uh, anyone that comes asking for it. We actually have a trailer that, that was loaned to us by the Virginia District Church of the Nazarene. And we take that trailer downtown. We cook food here and take it downtown. Um, there's times when our streets downtown are just literally lined with tent cities of people who have crossed legally into the United States, but they have no food, no place to live, no job. And so we go down there and, and feed uh, people like that. We give away a lot of clothing, uh, especially socks, shoes, underwear, undergarments. Um, in the wintertime, we gave away coats and blankets and items that these people just don't have. We had a family from Venezuela that showed up, three little girls under the age of five. None of the little girls had shoes on, and the temperature outside was in the low 30s. Uh, at night, it was getting down to freezing. Um, and we took them in and, and uh, helped them and gave them you know, food and, and shoes and socks and coats and sleeping bags and everything that we can. From the side of the church, the compassionate ministry extends to people, not citizens. 
It extends to, in our case, whoever needs. We never know, you know, the Bible says you entertain angels unaware. And I think about the pair in Matthew, the parable of sheep and goats, where people said, well, when God didn't we do this? When didn't we do that? And God said, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, I don't want God to depart from me. I don't want to depart from him. Uh, I'd much rather be on the side that I'm at where God blesses and provides every day. Um, the funding that we need, the food that we need, um, the clothing that we need. When we run short on shoes, I'll tell one little quick story here. When we run short on shoes, my the manager of my food of my clothes closet came to me. Her name is Patricia. And she said, Pastor, we're really short on shoes. And I said, Okay, well, let's pray. So we said a prayer and just asked God to send us some shoes. The very next Friday, the day that we pick up from our big box store, um, we had seven boxes of shoes that this big box store had determined were out of style or out of season or whatever. And so we praised God and it was so exciting and, and but not unusual here. But then the real funny part of the story is the next week we had seven more boxes of shoes. I'm talking about like a thousand pair of shoes. And we started laughing and Patricia looked at me and I said, you know, we forgot to stop and thank God and tell him that that's enough. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that is the way God is. And every time we have a need, it's just amazing. We'll say, oh, we wish we, we wish we had this kind of an item. And the next week it'll be in our donations. Well, you mentioned prayer there. Uh, before we go, I want to pray for you, but but uh, before we do that, there was the most interesting place at um, Imagine Church, the Nazarene Mission El Paso. As you gave us our tour when we were there on our mission trip, you told us about the uh, the vision wall, the yes. prayer room. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? We took over a building that was 63 years old. It had been a Nazarene church. It's a cinder block building. Um in the uh, the church had pretty much been ethnocentric and uh, had been a white church, a, a Anglo church, and so it did not reach the needs of the community, which continued to get over the years more and more uh, Hispanic in uh, by uh, population. And when we got here, the church had been closed for a number of years. Um, and my wife and I was just the two of us, and we knew that the first room that we were to make or create was our prayer room. So we went into one of the corner rooms um, of the building, and it had cement bags in it. It had some cinder blocks. It had old stuff from the church. It was just a filthy mess. We emptied it out, cleaned it, painted it, um, even prayed about the colors of the paint. And then we had two walls, and in that room, we put up on one side is our prayer needs and answered prayer. And we put little three by five cards up on the needs that we have. And then we move them over when God answers that. It's a visual way to connect with what God's doing. But on the opposite wall is our vision wall. And that is the seven gates. Uh, we, Renee and I, my wife and I use the, um, the, the biblical story of Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall. And it, up at the top, it says vision needs. And it says um, uh, these are the, the gates. We're, we're rebuilding the gates of the Lord's presence around the city of El Paso. And we had seven gates that God gave us, seven ministries that he promised us that he was going to have a start. 
one was the food pantry and we started that almost immediately. The clothes closet was the second one. Again, we started that almost immediately. The church was one of those and that has been started. We have a senior center, which is our next um, goal, our next vision, where we're going to be able to open our building twice a week um, from maybe nine o'clock in the morning to four in the afternoon, specifically for the senior citizens in our community. Let them come into a safe environment. We have a piano. They can play bingo or whatever, games, puzzles, talk to each other. And then we want to provide a hot lunch. We're set up to do that anyway. And so we want to provide a hot lunch for those seniors. And that's the next ministry. That'll be the fourth of seven. The other three ministries, the other three walls or gates that um, God gave us are going to require a, a building outside of the one that we have here. Um, the first one of those is a home for unwed parents. We originally had called it a home for unwed mothers. And we very quickly learned that that's um, outdated because now many times the husband or the father, I should say, um, will end up taking the baby. The mother doesn't want it, but doesn't want to have an abortion. And so when the baby's born, a 15, 14, 15, 16 year old boy will end up being a father with a new baby. And so we want to have a home for like an apartment complex or one of the old style motels, the kind that you drive your car up to your own door um, and, and go in. Um, and we want to have work and witness teams come and um, rebuild those rooms one at, one at a time. And then that ministry would be from the time um, a, a, a young girl or a, a boy find out that the girl is pregnant, we want to take them in and provide the medical needs that they have as they're pregnant. During that time, we want to be teaching them job skills, um, simple things like how to open a checking account, um, how to operate a computer, how to run a cash register, so that once the baby is born, this parent can then go out and be a productive part of society while also knowing how to take care of the baby. We teach, we want to teach things like how to diaper a baby and how to test the bottle to see if it's warm and all the simple things that we assume people know, but they don't. Um, so that's a ministry that we still know that God is going to, I, I drive down different streets each day in El Paso, and I keep my eyes open because I know one of these days, God's going to say, Chuck, there's the building that I'm giving you. And I'm sure that I'm going to go in and the person, uh, either the realtor or the owner is going to say, oh, we want, you know, a half million dollars for this building. And I'm going to say, no, God told me that you're going to give us this building. And I truly believe in his miraculous power, uh, the way he works, that God is going to have us at the right time reach somebody who maybe just sold another building and has a lot of profit, needs a tax write-off, and they're going to literally just give us that building. Or God's going to miraculously provide a donor who's going to fund it for us. We want to have a... Um, a, a home for people who are recovering from um, drugs and alcohol, uh, like a 12-step program, uh, a place where we can teach them job skills and work with local employers to provide them um, help. I don't know how it is where you live uh, here in El Paso. Every business has signs up saying help wanted. <laughs> so right now would be a great time uh, for us to be able to have that type of ministry uh, going. And then the final thing is a um, 
for-profit, if you will, business, we want to have a um, thrift store um, and we want to receive donations and use that thrift store as a way to help fund some of the ministries of Mission El Paso. So that's going to require a separate building as well, because we would, want, would not want to do that from our location now which is known to be everything that we do, every ministry that we have here is free to the community. And we don't want to mix or, you know, have send different signals. So our thrift store would need to be somewhere else in the uh, lower valley. That's our goals and dreams. And if I could, Scott, I, I know we're running out of time, but I'm, I, I want to say one other thing that I feel is just, the bottom line of what I'm doing now. I'm 64 years old, been a Nazarene pastor for, for 44 years. I've been a missionary. I've worked at the GMC. I, I, I understand all the different parts of the church. And I want to tell people that our tagline for Mission El Paso is meeting needs, making friends, and connecting God. And that's the vision and mission that God gave Renee and I when he sent us here. Meeting needs is the compassionate ministry. It's where things start. Um, any church can meet needs. Every church could be involved in doing this. Go into your local community and find out what people need and then meet that need. When you do that, you have now um, started the process of making a friend. Making friends comes when you've met a need and then people thank you. And now they're open to listening who you are and what you do. All of our volunteers here at Mission El Paso came through the process of receiving to begin with. Then we made friends with them, the middle stage. Once you're friends with people, you now have the opportunity um, to allow the spirit to connect God to that person. I always believe that I'm to reach my left hand out to people while I'm, I have my right hand holding firmly to God. And through the process of meeting needs and connecting, uh, meeting needs and making friends, then I connect people to God, which frees up my left hand to reach out again and help. And, you know, Scott, we have we never advertised our church. We did not do the big door hanger. Um, knock on doors, have balloons, have jump houses for kids. We, we didn't do any of that. We literally have 45 people every week now that are meeting together because we met needs, made friends, and God con connected uh, to people. And that's the way he builds his church. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And really, if, if people didn't hear anything else I said today, I, I hope they listen just to the last minute because churches all over um, are in trouble. We know that uh, in our country. We are post-Christian and people need God, but they're not looking for God in the church. And if we will meet people's needs, God will build this church. Amen. Thanks for sharing that and um, thanks for being on with us. Let me say a, a prayer for, for, Thank you, for you in Mission El Paso. Father, we bow before you this morning. We're grateful for the vision that you put on Chuck and Renee's heart back yes. in 2018 and how you brought all of it to pass. And you are changing lives yes. because of their obedience and, and the Holy Spirit working in them and through them. Thank you for the gates that have opened already. Yes. 
Yes. And I pray, God, that you would use those gates to to reach more and more people, the food pantry, the clothing closet, the, the church, Lord. And I pray that you would open these other gates for them, the senior care, the, uh, the housing needs for temporary housing, whether it's for new parents and babies or for people recovering, that you would provide that facility that they need. And then, Lord, the thrift store, that you would um, help them to locate and to uh, operate that thrift store so that their ministry would uh, would be able to receive the funds needed that would come through that. Help them, Lord, as they continue to meet needs, make friends, and connect people to God, that um, that people would come to know Jesus. Uh, thank you again for Chuck, for Renee. Grant them health and strength and help partners in this great work on the border. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening in on Casual Conversations, brought to you by Momentum Ministries. Visit our website at MomentumMinistries.org. That's Momentum Ministries, with two M's in the middle, dot O-R-G. God bless you and have a great day.